Uh, I've got uh, Mary Collier uh, with us, and uh, Mary's going to share with us for a little bit. Mary's the children's minister at North End Baptist Church over here in Beaumont, uh, right down the road from us. Uh, Mary is children's minister with really one of one of my favorite staffs, if that makes sense. Some of it is because of the connection, the fact that her pastor is chairman of my personnel committee. And if I don't say he's one of my favorites, I get in trouble. Um, then you have uh, common kinships with a couple of the staff members, even Mary's from Houston. But more than that, there's just a great staff rhythm. The, the complementary natures of that staff, David and Goolsby and, and others, they, to me, they fit, and, and it's going to be exciting to watch that staff in the years ahead. Uh, but I've asked Mary to share with us some things and, and then answer some questions as we still try to navigate this thing of ministry in COVID. And for those of you guys, Tommy and, and Mark especially, who have oversight of children's ministry, uh, even though you're not necessarily the children's really appreciate you guys being there. We, we really want to help. I was really hoping more of our pastors who don't have children's ministers. And so they're working through these things themselves. I, I wish more of them were there as well. And so I'm going to turn it over to Mary. Before I do, I do want to introduce, for those who haven't met her yet, Liz Gelsma. She is my ministry assistant for communications. So you can connect with her at office at gtbn.us. Uh, she is also my daughter. And so the fact that she says dad, not boss, is not to be disconcerting. But, but one of the things Liz is helping us with is on helping perfect your live streams and your web-based uh, ministries. And we're just trying to help our churches position themselves. So feel free to call on Liz anytime as well. Uh, with that said, let's pray. And Mary, I'll cut it over to you, all right? Father, I thank you that we can gather together. Lord, I thank you for the ministry that you have called us to and for this fellowship that you have called us in where we serve not in isolated silos of our own churches, but we serve as spiritual family, arm in arm together for your purpose here in Southeast Texas. Guide us in this conversation. I pray that it would be an encouragement and that it would help sharpen us for the ministry that you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more thing, we're going to be recording this conversation so that we'll be able to share it through a podcast with other churches who aren't here with us right now. So Mary, you are being recorded. All right, I better be don't, careful what I say. <laughs> don't let that intimidate you in any way. No, no, of course not. Um, so I just, I really want to start with... Um, with a reminder, I mean, it's something we all know, um, but I think it's something we all kind of during this season, or at least I have to regularly remind myself, um, and that's why we do what we do. Um, we do children's ministry because we believe that we can make an eternal difference in these children's lives. Um, and that fact doesn't change, even though our circumstances change. Um, just like Jesus never changes our calling, um, our ultimate calling, I would say, doesn't change. Um, that it is to reach and teach and share the gospel. Um, and just to share a little bit, so the first probably month into all of this, I was part of a Zoom group um, that the Southern Baptist dude, it's like all of Texas. I was like, this is going to be so great. I mean, man, I carved out, it was a Monday, my day off. I carved out time to do it. And I remember sitting down and I watched it. I got so, so stressed out my video was on so i knew i couldn't cry because i didn't think that was professional <laughs> but i might have cried after the zoom ended because all of a sudden i was struck with that we were in a new reality um they were talking i think the thing that pushed me over the edges was when they started talking about oh we're gonna have have to have separate sets of crayons for all the kids and i remember just thinking what i I don't know what to do with this. I had come looking for all of the answers and instead of all of the answers, I was getting like all of the problems and their questions. And like I said, I got off the Zoom and cried a little and then picked myself back up. Um, so hopefully this is not gonna happen to y'all. Um, please just turn your video off if it does. Um, but uh, we do this, like we don't need to lose sight in the midst of 
all of the questions and all the stress of why we do this. Um, and so we do this to change lives eternally. Um, and kids are a great place to start. Um, my life was eternally changed because somebody shared the gospel to me with, at the age of five. So um, Jim kind of asked me to share some things that we've done. Um, we are, I would call ourselves mid-sized. I don't really know what size we are at this point, honestly, though, because attendance is so crazy right now. Um, so I really don't know what size my children's ministry is. Um, but some of the things we've done, we've, of course, done videos. So um, a whole variety of videos. Um, we do a Sunday school lessons every week that we post. Um, we have read storybooks to the kids online. We've done craft videos. Um, pretty much if we could record ourselves doing it, we've done it. Um, this is pretty much where we've gone. We have noticed um, that our parents are engaging less and less with those. Um, our older people, surprisingly, are staying very well engaged. So I think I get more comments from our senior adults about our children's lessons than um, I do from families, <laughs> which has been very unexpected. Um, but also great because it's given a chance to really highlight some of the great teaching team that I have in my children's ministry area because several of them have um, helped. So now there's a rotation of four of us that teach the lessons. So it's really great. They've gotten to see, wow, look, she's got some awesome teachers in her area. Um, so at least I can celebrate that. Um, we have done all sorts of other things. I did think at the start of this, like everyone that was going to be short lived and I got some great ideas and thought to myself, I need to do these really quick. So we don't come out of quarantine and I haven't used these ideas. Um, the irony is that now I sit here in July, I mean, sorry, August, and we're still um, kind of coming out of quarantine and I kind of wish I hadn't used those ideas as fast. Um, but early on, one of the ideas that I did is we sent out like a flat Mary and um, I've seen other churches where they do it with a flat Jesus. Um, and you can take it two ways. So you can either tell them to, you know, whenever they're doing church activities to, you know, have Miss Mary along with them, um, which is the route that I took, or you can do, um, you can send them flat Jesus and remind them to take Jesus with them everywhere and then get the kids to send you pictures of flat Jesus doing things with them. Um, it was really entertaining to see um, the adventures that flat Mary went on. Um, so it, it was just, it was exciting. Um, I definitely got to ride a remote control car, which was hilarious. Um, there was also an incident where I might've accidentally come out of a car, which involved screaming in the back of the car from what I was told by the parent, uh, because the little girl had decided to wave me out the window and then she lost a hold of me. So I got all of these really funny texts about like, oh, well, we just lost Miss Mary. I'm like, what? what's happening? And then I'd remember, oh, okay, I'd sent out Flat Mary. Um, another idea, which was probably the best received, but I really wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, I got the great idea to chalk everybody's names onto our concrete um, outside our church and kind of create a like, look for your name and a Bible verse. I was sore for days. To write everybody's name on the concrete with chalk is intensive. So I would almost more recommend like, oh, okay, do a, like, find it on a piece of paper or something. You can, if you want, chalk everybody's name, but I'm just allowed plenty of time. And when I say plenty of time, I say more than like four or five hours, because that's about how long it took me for my children's ministry. Um, so uh, we also did, we did drive-bys, um, which is not the Houston version of drive-bys. Um, it's more pleasant because we're going to drop things off at your house. Um, and the kids always like that. I had one kid that was very um, creeped out. He didn't know how I had found his house. How does Miss Mary know where I lived? He asked, it was the first question he asked his mom. <laughs> so that was really funny. Um, we did drive-by dance parties. So essentially you drive up playing music really loud and, um, the idea is that they're supposed to dance with you. That didn't happen. They just stared at me. You can try it. You know, um, again, these are just springboard ideas. Um, we did, this is, this was another hit. We did social distancing tag. So we had, hold on, I'm going to grab it. This one looks a little, um, 
worn because it's it's been passed back and forth um but i went out early early one night and i had used an app that optimizes your route i drove to every kid's house and used painter's tape and taped a tag your it sign on their house and then it gave instructions about um to return it but then i tied it into a bible lesson where it, um, it talks about how um you have to work together for a game of tag to work you can't play tag by yourself and i tied it back into how you can't you can't be the body of Christ by yourself. Um, so everything I do, I try to tie back into a Bible lesson. Um, so that particular, that was just how that one tied back in. And I still have two that are playing with me that I need to return their tag signs. So I'll like, as I'm driving, oh, I've got to be in Lumberton for some reason, I'll drop off my Lumberton kids. Um, so far, I haven't gotten the cops called on me, but I've definitely had some strange looks from like people that I'm sure are neighborhood watch um, as they're looking at me. Why is this woman like sneaking through a yard to like tape up a sign on a random window outside of someone's house? Um, so, but you know, it's a, the kids get excited. It's a way to interact with them while not um, coming in close to them because we still have a lot of families that are still staying at home and social distancing. So I want to respect that. Um, Another thing I've done is just write them letters, just the old fashioned, send them a letter. Um, in fact, my intern's currently working on stuffing letters for me. And when I call her my intern, like, we mean that in the truest sense of free slave labor most of the time. So like, she just luckily helps me out a lot um, and gets paid very little. I don't know what I'll do when she graduates college, but um, just little things like sticker sheets and then tie it into a Bible lesson, um, balloons and tie it into a Bible lesson and write the Bible lesson out on the sheet of paper, stuff some balloons in an envelope and off it goes to all the kids. Um, so just kind of my approach to children's ministry has been, okay, if you can't come to me, how can I get it to you? Um, if, if I can't always, like if you're not coming to me for the gospel, how can I get the gospel to you? Um, is the question that I ask myself. Um, and then the latest thing that I've done that's really been neat is I just sent a simple text out to my parents and I said, how can I be praying for you? You know, I know this is a really stressful time. What, what are, you know, two specific prayer requests you have? And then I'm gonna wait a couple of weeks and send it out again. Um, the parents in our ministry areas are so stressed. Um, they are facing questions and decisions that we've never covered, um, that parents have never had to face before. Um, and they're overwhelmed by what does it look like to, um, to parent my kids in this time. And so, you know, I, I really think as children's ministers, um, or ministers period, some of our goal is to reach, um, our, our parents as well. Um, to me, that's one of the glass full moments of all of this, um, virus is that, you know, we had kind of taken as the church and we were teaching um, the kids and they kind of, a lot of the parents looked to me as kind of the spiritual guider of the children. But we know that they should be the primary and we're just there to equip and support. Um, and so with this virus has come a great moment to really help parents become the primary disciples of their children's lives. And to me, that's such a win moment because they're not bringing them to church because they can't bring them to church. Often we've been closed during this season. And so for us then to be able to kind of turn and just really equip them because that's the only thing that there is, is creating to me such a powerful win moment for our parents. Um, yeah, we can look at it and I know every children's minister um, is kind of bummed that we didn't have traditional vacation Bible school. We didn't have traditional camps and we didn't have, you know, all of the fun, exciting things that we normally get for summer. And we didn't. And I, I totally get that. Um, but we are getting the win moments of that. We're getting to invest into the whole household and hopefully encourage those parents to create traditions and some, some, habits that are going to grow and continue outside so once we leave this season they're going to still be discipling into their into their kids lives and hopefully these kids are going to be looking back and going you remember when we had this and we we started doing bible studies together you remember when we had this and you started reading the bible to me once a week um to me that's the powerful win moment that we could so potentially have that's going to create an explosion of ministry um because how many kids because their families began pouring into their lives are going to be on some zoom call like we are because i know for me my parents influence in my life 
them teaching me how to read my Bible is why I'm where I'm at. Um, it's why I believe so passionately in children's ministry is because my parents did invest in me. Um, I actually never had a children's minister, so I don't really know. <laughs> I didn't have expectations on that for my job, but I did, I do look at the parents and I say the parents have so much influence, um, in the kids' lives. So I think that let's count this as a win and look at how we can invest in those parents. Um, so that's just kind of what we've done. Um, just a really quick run through. Um, like I said, at the end of the day, it's going to look different for each one of us, but the goal is still the same. The goal is still to reach and engage people with the gospel of Christ. Um, and he's still giving us the wisdom and power to do that. So. Mary, let me ask you a question. Um, and I really appreciate the focus, uh, especially on helping parents emerge as the prime disciple makers in their homes, because uh, that, that is so true. And in everything you've done, you reminded us that ministry goes on, COVID or, or co not COVID. Uh, gathering's an important part of being the church, but it is not the only way we do ministry. That said, we are aching for that time when we can regather again. What does regathering, particularly children's ministry, look for at North, like at North End? What, what are the benchmarks that you guys are watching for that you guys say it's safe to have kids on campus? Um, so we've kind of, that's such a complicated question. <laughs> um, we have started back, um, probably the first thing we started back was worship care. Um, and so we, um, we started out, we had families all together in worship. And then we went a couple of weeks and we were watching how it was going. And then I actually advocated, like some of my preschool parents are so distracted trying to hold that. Honestly, it wasn't the babies. It was the, it was the two-year-old toddler stage um, because they're old enough that they can move, but they're young enough that they haven't kind of been taught. Like these are the circumstances under which we expect you to kind of stay quiet. Um, so th that age was just really struggling. The parents really, I mean, honestly, they weren't getting anything out of worship service. And so as a children's minister, I was like, how can I support you? So we came back there first. Um, and so there was a couple of different things that we did. Um, we do clean a little extra um, with the knowledge that they're not in the room, but once a week. So I also have that added kind of relief of, I know nothing's going to stay on that surface. I also kind of cleaned out the rooms of the majority of the soft toys, I didn't take them all out because some of those soft toys are so important for the kids to play with and really create some developmental um, points of learning. So I didn't want to take it all out, but majority, pretty much I think the only thing that's soft that stayed was the baby dolls um, in our home living centers, um, but everything else that was soft left. Um, and the kids really haven't noticed that much. They've asked for a couple of things. Um, so we came back um, and we clean more. Um, we also, of course, we checked temperatures more vigilantly. We've always in children's ministry had a policy of that if, if you've got a fever, we're sending you home. Um, so that was nothing new for us. We just now are checking it. Um, whereas used to be, it was like, oh, okay, they feel warm. Let's check it now. Um, but now you get automatically checked when you come in. Um, I'm a lot more vigilant in reminding the parents of, look, if you're sick, stay home. Again, I've always said that. Um, so one of the positives to me out of this is that parents are a little more aware of if you're sick, stay home. So I'm hearing less of the, oh, well, they threw up last night or they threw up on the way to church. So just tell me if they throw up again. And I'm like, why, why are you bringing them if they threw up this morning? Um, so I'm, I'm hearing less of that. Um, so I'm kind of hopeful that maybe like a new awareness of don't bring your sick child is going to, to happen out of all of this. Um, so we check temperatures. Um, my workers in the preschool wing don't wear a mask. Um, I really thought and prayed over it. Um, but we just, we made the decision not to, um, partly because we can't mask the preschoolers. That's just not going to work well. Um, but also because some of them are older and we're having some difficulties wearing their masks that long. And the preschoolers were scared of people in masks, especially at the front of it. Um, that's just, that's not uncommon for them to be scared of masked individuals. And they were already kind of coming back after having been gone for two months out of the preschool wing. I didn't need more anxiety. 
Um, and so for our four and below, we don't mask. Once you enter, we have like a hallway. So once you enter the hallway, you've been checked by your temperature. You know, we're doing everything we possibly can to stay clean. We're gonna just kind of pray over that area and hope that we're not passing it. Um, I've also lessened my rotation. So there's only a few that are volunteering um, and I'm not rotating the workers like I normally would during worship service. So if we're gonna have an exposure, we're gonna try and keep it in a bubble and it's gonna be our families with young kids and then the specific volunteers that I've got working. It's not gonna be the normal, I have normally like a five week rotation um, in my preschool wing. So we're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> So there's not going to be like five weeks worth of people I've got to notify. Um, so we've, we've done that. Um, if we see a kid put something in their mouth, we, we wipe it down a little more vigilantly than we always were. Um, so we're just kind of, as far as cleanliness goes, a lot more vigilant. Um, I think we're a lot more vigilant as far as, you know, cups. Is it perfect? No, they're preschoolers. Um, we have one that delights in grabbing other people's pacifiers we try really hard, but he's really fast. And so, you know, we just, we know to watch him. And like I said, we're praying over that. Um, so there's the really long preschool answer. Um, in the children's ministry, we came back um, on Wednesday nights, I think about four weeks ago. I've had a much smaller group, which is partially great because it's made it a little more manageable. The other part of me as a children's minister is a little bummed, it's been smaller. Um, for them, we have been wearing masks. Um, again, after a lot of prayer, I made the decision, I kind of saw the writing on the wall, felt like they were gonna have to wear masks at school and said, we're gonna go ahead and get used to wearing them. So in an attempt to try and help them because they, the first week we did paper masks and paper masks don't fit um, little people as well. They tend to slide all over. Um, and so I was like, that's, it's also, um, we discovered on the rare instances, I like let them take them off because like we're playing a game and we do like relay style games during this time. So they're not close to each other. Um, so as they were doing the relay style game, I let them take their mask off. Well, they'd set it down. Well, then the next kid that came up to do his relay, they were like picking up the wrong mask, which kind of defeats the purpose of wearing a mask. <laughs> so I went on Amazon <laughs> and I found some really um, just cheap, masks they're super excited in fact um the tie-dye ones came in um just this week and um one of them was like you need to show my mom these because this is what i want for school um so i felt pretty good about that um but they're just kind of a soft t-shirt material and they're they're more they're sized for kids so i bought some kid masks um, for them and then of course i wear my mask there's been exciting adventures on that not only have we mask swapped i've also watched a child every week chew his mask um, you really don't want to mask swap with that child because it's special looking. Um, I have seen masks all over their face, um, which grownups struggle to wear a mask correctly. Kids are no different. Um, but we have been trying to just kind of do that. Um, I try to keep them a little more separated when we hit snack time. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll set down a hula hoop and they eat their snack inside their hula hoop. And that creates, it's not six feet, but it creates a distance and it's a boundary that they can see. Um, and it, it was easier to me than an X because an X they're never gonna stay on. So by giving them the hula hoop, it's, it's a little space for them to wiggle, but it's also like, this is your space. Um, again, it's not perfect. You have to remind them, but that's children's ministry. You have to remind an adult ministry too, so. I don't really mind it. Um, we've also designated hallways, um, which worked great until last week. I don't, or yesterday, I don't know why it failed yesterday, but we've designated a senior adult hallway in our, um, in our church building. And we've designated like a young families and younger people's hallway. So like how they enter our building, we've kind of created a space. And if you're younger, you enter here and you drop your preschoolers up and you drop your children's ministry up and you can go into the worship center or wherever you need to go. And, and then if you're older, you're entering through another set of doors and kind of staying away from, you know, those germy children. Um, and so we've, we've tried to do that. Um, of course, we've always been the type to like hand sanitize and wash your hands. Some of these things aren't new in children's ministry. Um, we're just having to be a little more vigilant. So does that help? Very much so. Uh, guys, do y'all have any questions? Susan, Mark, Tommy? Well, um, you know, we've had 
some children's programs for, you know, over the last few weeks here during the summer. Uh, and I think we were kind of doing some similar things, you know, the temperature, uh, the hand washing there. But we've not, uh, at least the people that are attached to our local congregation, yeah. we've been very blessed and fortunate. We've not had any, uh, any cases. So I, I guess we're probably in a, in a situation maybe different from some of the other uh, larger churches, I would say. Um, you know, well, I guess we've just been blessed uh, because of that. But the Bible school, obviously, we did an in-person Bible school, but it was, you know, it was about a third uh, or a fourth of the size of what we normally do. And that was, you know, that's kind of what we were expecting. Uh, but, but interesting enough, family night, all the families came. And I was really, I was, I was kind of shocked because I figured, well, this family night's not going to be anything. But I think we had like 80% involvement in the family night, which was just completely caught me off guard. Very good. Tommy, great. Uh, tell us, um, you know, I, I don't want to elevate the challenge, but I do want to remind folks uh, how quickly this can come upon us. Uh, share with everybody what happened with your nursery worker a couple of weeks ago. It's going to happen. You know, you kind of in your back of your mind, you know that it's going to happen at some point that you're not going to be totally isolated from this. But uh, we just were naive a little bit and we had said we're not having that many people come. We were doing online pre preparation for an online service, had to have a few people there. And then we just said, well, let's just let those that want to come, come. And then the nursery worker said, well, there's not that many kids let them come and then on Monday morning a couple three weeks ago now I guess I had a call from a lady who said I couldn't taste my toothpaste this morning and I called my boss because I work with the public and he sent me to a quick test and I came back positive so mm -hmm. then I had contacted Jim and said you know hey uh, I hear that Probably you're contagious before you actually have any symptoms, but I don't really know the best science on that, but everything that we could gather was telling us that we probably should go ahead and shut our nursery down because we had at least uh, two different sets of kids in there from different families. And I contacted the people that were directly related, one of which was an octogenarian nursery worker, and obviously is that most concerned group. Um, my daughter had said something similar. She, she's worried about bringing her youth back because her faithful youth workers are in their 80s, which seems counterintuitive, but that's the people that the Lord had brought to work with the kids. So that's where we have been. It, we were, we were had, we had like 70. We're not a big church, but we had like 70 in our worship service the, the Sunday after that happened. And I didn't make a huge deal about spreading the news but just word of mouth, the next Sunday we had 35. And I think it impacts because everybody thinks, oh my goodness, yeah, I was sitting next to that person or I was sitting next to that person who was babysitting for those people. And you're just trying to find out where your exposure is. And I've had my first experience with doing the contact tracing deal, trying to, how do you figure out where everybody was and who they were breathing on? Yeah, and that's just a reminder that, uh, again, praise God, most of the incidents of illness are relatively minor. Uh, th th this, could be, this could be Spanish flu or any of a million of other things. And by God's grace, most of the incidents, but there's just enough severe illness going on and, and that we cannot take it for granted. And so as we're making our decisions, uh, I'll never tell a church to gather or not to gather. <clears throat> I think the path we're on toward resuming gathering absolutely is good and right. But as we open up, we must remain vigilant on the basic protocols. Can we close the door to this 100%? No, there's, there's a certain amount of risk in getting out. But we can certainly mitigate the exposure so that we minimize the opportunity of people becoming infected and potentially getting a catastrophic case 
through our ministries. And that's the thing that we don't want to see happen. I would just say that I have already had to deal with, and it's not strictly just a children's ministry issue, but in a way it is. Um, some of my congregation are adamant that it's all a big charade and I'm not wearing a mask. It's a, you know, that's a liberty thing. Well, and yet it, it, it issues, it runs up against my freedom to not get sick. <laughs> I, I don't want, I've seen that conflict happen already within our congregation where people have different ideas about wearing a mask. That's going to happen too. Well, Jim, let me jump in on that. Um, when we had Bible school, um, specifically our preschool area, uh, workers decided that as, as the workers, they were going to wear masks. And I said, look, y'all do whatever you're comfortable with doing. Uh, we're not, we've, we've kind of taken the, the position, even church-wide, if you want to wear a mask, please wear it. If you don't want to, we're not going to require it. But just, you know, be, have, take some personal responsibility, I guess. is. Yeah. Uh, but in our society, the idea of personal responsibility sometimes doesn't go, uh, you know. Uh, but, you know, that, that's kind of what we did um, as far as letting the people, hey, you make this decision for yourself. We can't, you know. Um, so. Yeah, one of the big protocols that I'm looking at in terms of the children's ministry and preschool is get your group, maybe reduced size, and don't mix them. The, the, the fewer opportunities to cross-fertilize different families, the more we can limit those connections, the fewer opportunities there are for spread. So smaller class size, and don't have joint activities between these in different classes. Uh, I know that's what they're telling the camps to do, and that has complicated things a bit. But, um, but you know, uh, at this point, you know, you know, they call it the practice of medicine, and this is kind of the practice of ministry. It's a little bit of trial and error. I could just mention one thing that my daughter was doing at First Baptist Marshall. Mm -hmm. she, she actually, since they weren't bringing the children in for uh, family activity or children's activities at the church, she set up appointments for families to come and hang out and to run around the gym and play and do some activities. And she had some games and things planned for families. Uh, it kind of ran her ragged, but she did multiple different families by themselves in the space in the, yeah. in the church. I thought that was great. But yeah. Susan, what about Groves? Um, we're looking at the very same same things that, that have been said. Um, we're going to give our children's ministry, if they want to wear a mask, the children, they can wear a mask, but we're not going to require it um, at this point. Um, we're looking at, we're going to have smaller numbers because of, People, we have several in our children's ministry parents who work in the healthcare industry, and so they are more susceptible. Well, they don't want to have their kids maybe be exposed through them and then, you know, bring it to church. So I've heard of a couple of, of families that are going to wait, you know, on that, um, bring on them. Um, we're trying to eliminate, I went and got the crayons and markers for individual um, students to have in the classroom. I, you know, it was a, a bigger expense than what I could have done buying in bulk, but um, I want that to be a safe thing as well. Um, and then I'm mailing out a letter to the parents with our startup being on the 30th, I'm mailing out a letter to the parents and just kind of giving them some spot overviews of what we're gonna be looking for and that we're going to take the pit temperature and they're going to go wash their hands or sanitize before they even get to the classroom. Um, as they're coming in, we're going to meet outside. We're not even going to let our parents in the children's area. We're going to try and keep them outside the door and let, let us bring the children in to try and keep some cross-contamination there as well. 
So it's just kind of murky waters. You feel like you're work, working through, um, not knowing exactly what to expect. But I so appreciate what she said about that we can't lose sight of what our calling is. And somehow we've got to manage a way or work a way that's going to get get that out there to our students and our, and our parents. And uh, we, we adopted last year a disciple land curriculum. And because we kept coming back to us that we needed to make disciples of our students, our students needed to know how to do that and then share it and discipling parents through it all. And um, that has just been our focus on that. So we're trying, we're going to, we're going to see, we're going to try. We wanted to give Bridge City two or three weeks in school to see how they fared. And then we would um, set ours up from, from there. Uh, so at this point right now, we're going to start the 30th. Okay. Great. Mary, I've got another question for you. And then anyone else can chime in after Mary answers. With our journey through COVID so far, and we all look for a return to something at least close to what we last remember before COVID hit, but what is one change that COVID has led you to make that will probably stay with you and be permanent? or at least a way that you know your children's ministry has changed even after COVID's over? I think it's really hard to fully say it now um, because, I mean, we're, we're still, I really feel like in the middle of it. Um, just because, you know, it's kind of hard to look back and be like, well, this is where the major changes were. Um, I mean, even from, I look at where I was in March and where I am now, um, you know, from in March, I was like, well, this is just a couple weeks. <laughs> we're in mm -hmm. August and we're still discussing this. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to say. I am very hopeful that, um, that our families really begin to disciple their kids more. Um, that's really my prayer. Um, depending on where I'm at, um, on a week depends on like how well I think I'm doing a job of that. Um, I've just gotten a text from a parent. It's like, Oh, we love this. And you know, so-and-so is asking questions about salvation. Then I think I'm doing a great job. And then, um, you know, if, if I get a text that says, no, we haven't looked at that. We decided to, you know, binge watch a new show. I'm less enthused. Um, but that's really, that's my prayer is, I really, my hope and my prayer is that the church comes out of this stronger. Um, and I think that that's, that's the potential. Like you look at the New Testament church in Acts, what caused Acts to, the, the church to grow was persecution. What caused the church to spread was persecution. And so um, praise the Lord, nobody's throwing us in jail and praise the Lord, nobody is stoning us to death. I'm not really signing up for that. If the Lord calls me to that, I'll do it, but I'm not going to be skipping merrily to my stoning. Um, but I do recognize that that's what grows the church. And if I'm going to pray for us to grow, I have to know that sometimes there's growing pains. Um, and so I'm really, I want to see our families engaging the gospel at home and not just coming to church, checking the box and then living the rest of the week like nothing's different. Um, and if, you know what, if I have two families, three families that that's the change that happens, I'm, it's worth it. Like, okay, I'll isolate again. I'll do this in 2021 if that's what it takes. Yeah. You're right. If we can help our children's ministries see that we're not just the ministry to children, uh, we're a ministry of the body and to to invest in our parents as they invest in our kids uh that uh that would be absolutely incredible uh, one of the shifts and you mentioned it <clears throat> it's not as spiritually minded but it, it, it's very practical and real you know I, I was raised in a church or in an environment where 
if you weren't deathly ill, you were going to be in church on Sunday. <laughs> and, and so we exchanged a lot of flu and a lot of bugs and a lot of colds. And I can see us hanging on to our thermometers and, and more systemically reminding our people that, you know, if you're sick, stay home. Uh, it is not unspiritual to stay home and recover from illness on the Lord's day. And, and to bless that and to make that okay and to know that we've got means for people to engage uh, when they are. Uh, because there is this stewardship that we have of one another. And, and um, that is something, because they're already telling us about the next pandemic that may come across. It, you know, CDC's always got something to warn us about. <clears throat> and, and so l l let, let's just agree that if you're sick, you don't come to church. Yeah. Folks, anything else? I think I think one of the things that that will have changed our church overall is the live streaming and the zooming or what not zooming, but the live stream on Sunday mornings, where you can have the opportunity to worship with your church family, even though you're at home. You know, you're able to see your ministers and your your people <laughs> there while you're at home. So I think that's going to be a change across the board. And I'm afraid that it's going to hurt our attendance because it is so easy to do. You know, um, I know our church is worried about will we ever have the numbers that we had before, you know, back in church because of it. But, you know, that's, I guess that's a phrase that we at least have that ability, you know, to do that. Yeah, there's a plus and a minus to that because on one hand, <clears throat> it is great that we can extend our ministry and, <clears throat> and especially for those who can't engage, but we are so individualistic here in America anyway. And, and out of that individualism, it is so easy for us to lapse into this individualized faith where I get my blessing and I get fed and and quite honestly, it's nice to sit in my jammies and have my coffee and watch my preacher on the screen and not mm -hmm. have to get up and not have to fight and get the kids dressed and everything. And, and it would be very easy to lapse into that, but that's not good for our soul. No. Nor is that God's intent for the body. There is this corporate dimension of our walk with the Lord that right. is crucial. And, and it's going to take effort. I'm telling our pastors, about a quarter of our attenders, we're going to have to win again. And I don't mean by leading them to faith in Christ, but I mean, we're going to have to go and engage because they have gotten out of the habit of getting up about getting there. And, and it's very easy with COVID to still, well, we're there and, and, and we're here. And, and so I, one of the things I'm telling guys is, Leave something extra, give people a reason to gather for, to connect with, some, some dimension of your ministry that is not available online, that they're going to, an appetite that will only be quenched when they gather with us again. Right. And uh, because uh, that, that is going to be one of the crucial issues that we fight. That, that individualized faith, and I've got mine, and that's what matters. I think also just giving people a way to engage it. Um, like how, like we are digital, how are we giving them a way to then engage what we're, the content that we're giving them? Um, which that was always, I mean, that's always been a challenge. Like it's great that you come and you hear a person preach, but you can check out the same as you can online. And you can individualize that faith the same as you can online. And it's the same challenge, but just different circumstances. And so I think the answer still is the same. Like we need to look for creative ways to engage them. So um, I know churches that after their live stream, like they'll post the question, like what was, what was, you know, what stuck out to you in the sermon today? What was your favorite song from worship today? What was, you know, and so they get their people talking about that. Or um, one of the things we've done is we've encouraged people to share it because you know what, with the church moving online, 
there were bored people at home watching Facebook and scrolling through and, oh, here popped, um, you know, Lindsay's church service. So now she's going to watch, they're going to, they're bored. There's nothing else to do. Well, let me just watch Lindsay's Facebook church. And all of a sudden they're hearing the gospel because they would have never heard the gospel because they were never going to darken the doors of the church. So I think giving our people ways to, again, engage the gospel, it looks different, but I think we have to look for how can we encourage them from where they're at? You know, you're at home now. And so now I'm asking you to engage the gospel from home, but even previously from their pew, I mean, there were times, I mean, how many of us, how many of us in children's ministry were like, I have all the volunteers I need. I don't need any volunteers. You can serve somewhere else. None of us. But that's because we had people, what was it? The 80-20 rule? We had 20% of the membership serving and 80% of the membership sitting that's still the struggle that we're still facing with online church. That's still the struggle that we're facing today is the 2080 rule. And so we're looking, how can we engage, get these people from sitting to moving and how, what does that look like? Again, it looks a little different, but I think there's potential for it. Like now it's a little easier. Maybe, maybe you feel intimidated and you would have never read the Bible in front of other people. And so one of the things we've done um, for our adults is we've gotten people reading the Bible just in front of the camera. And it's just a real simple thing. You pop up the camera, they read the Bible, we check, we put it online. Um, and so you would have never gotten up in front of church and read the Bible, but now you're putting action to your faith and you're reading the Bible in front of others. And because you've read the Bible, your aunt down in Washington is so proud of you being on the internet that she's going to share you and all of her friends in Washington are going to see you reading the Bible and they would maybe never heard the Bible being read apart from that. So I think there's some potential that we can well, use. Well, interactive disciple making. I mean, what, one of the mistakes I've seen a lot of our churches make is that we're putting content out but it is very unidirectional. It's preacher giving a message to the mass with no accountability and no exchange. And, 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 it, and again, just as Mary said, we can have the same problem happening in church where we're giving a lot of spiritual information, but people aren't meditating on it and they're not processing it. And so can we utilize these means to have interactivity and accountability and, and, and so that as we're teaching God's word in whatever means that looks like, that we're helping our people to process it and work through their lives. What does obedience to God's word mean to me? And then carry it out. And, and so having more interaction, more dual way communication, and whether it's interactive follow-up through a sermon, whether it's keeping your small groups going through accountable relationships on Zoom or some other means. But it, it always comes down to the basics of biblical disciple making. And that is not just teaching information, but that is helping people to process what they're learning and apply it to their lives. Well, anything else before we wrap this up? I'll just make one last comment. Jim, I've quoted you where you said um, the churches that focus on their mission are going to come out of this fine. And that applies to children's ministry, but it also just to the church at large. I think it's good that we keep the main things in our focus and, and uh, the challenges are going to be there. Like you say, next year there'll be something else. But That's right. I appreciate very much your leading out on this and the great information of my secretary. We've been making notes and we're going to try to apply some of these things. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. One of the stories I got to tell, and I've told you guys before, uh, when this thing first hit, one of our churches that has a very strong disciple making ministry, their small groups are organized and they're intact. Their pastor shared with me that before anyone on their staff, could give direction on how to use Zoom or Facebook or other means to connect with their small groups. Their small groups are already using Zoom and other means to connect. And so they didn't have to be told. They hadn't, and, and, and that church has not seen a dip in their giving 
They've not seen a dip in their engagement. And, and, and their ministry has sailed through this incredibly because in their disciple making, the relationships and the commitments were there. And people just knew if we can't do it the normal way, we got to find another way to do it. It's kind of like in the New Testament. They didn't have a rule book to follow, you know. They just did it. Hey, guys, I want to thank you for giving your afternoon. Mary, thank you especially. I know I put you on the spot, but I appreciate that. We'll try to do this again about every month, every six weeks or so. If nothing else, just to powwow and see how everyone's doing. One of the things that is important for me is we have some incredible resources in GTBN. Uh, praise God for our convention partners that we can bring in. But it's important to me that you, our children's ministry leaders, be available to one another. And, and that we know that we can call any of us. And so for you guys to have cross connections, so that as questions come up, if we don't have a Zoom schedule, Susan knows she can call Mark or Tommy or Mary or Debbie or, or Janet or anyone else, and we can powwow and pray through and work through a solution for you. So remember that you are God's gift to one another, and certainly you're a blessing to us as a family of churches here in GTBN. Tommy, will you close us in prayer? Well, I'd be honored. Let's pray together. Holy Father, thank you so much for your love to us, your mercy you've poured out on us. God, we just pray that as we've talked about today, that we can continue to look for ways to share the gospel, to make disciples, to love children, and to, to be the face of Christ for these parents and children as we're trying to help them to see how you want us to be your hands and feet, to be your people, dear God. We love you so much. We thank you for the resources that you blessed us with. And especially, Lord, I thank you for Jim and the people at GTBN. And thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.